Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is my home, as I tell you every week. This is the fireside chat. That's the fire. I'm on the side. This is completely spontaneous. I just uh, share with you some thoughts about life, and then I take your questions and hope that it's worth your half hour. Apparently, for a fair number of people, it is. That's my dream. Because we don't have enough wisdom going on in our society. A lot of nice people, but wisdom is at a premium. I have a theory as to why, but I'll probably give you that another time. Although it is an interesting question. Do you even know what wisdom is? I, I suspect that if I were 18 years old today, I'm not sure I would have heard the word. Think about it. You know, you're told to get, get, get great grades. That's, of course, knowledge. Knowledge is not wisdom. The computer has an immense amount of knowledge, but it has no wisdom. Before I go to my topic, let me explain wisdom for one more moment. If you have a map, you know exactly where you are. I'm at the corner of this avenue and this street. I'm at this highway. So you know exactly where you are. But if you don't know where you have to go, it's useless. Knowledge without wisdom is useless. That's a perfect analogy, the map analogy. Anyway, so now to some thoughts that I hope constitute wisdom. If I talk about a news item, even if you're not in America or you're watching this a year from now or 10 years from now, hopefully, it won't matter because what I do is I take the news item and I show the bigger issue involved. That's, that's the reason I suggest that you watch past videos of these fireside chats. They're never dated, even if they are about something that's in the news. And for those of you who are not American and, and a large number of you are not American, uh, even if it's an American news item, what I will try to teach from it or extrapolate from it, if I may use a fancy word, uh, is applicable anywhere in the world. Wisdom is universal. Okay, that's, that's important to understand. Okay, so there is this big news item of the governor of Virginia who it has, it has been discovered that when he was in medical school about 30 years ago, uh, he uh, had a picture on his page in his yearbook depicting someone in blackface and someone in a Ku Klux Klan outfit. It's, it's not a serious picture, uh, in my opinion, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, a, it's an obviously offensive picture. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way around it. Okay. And uh, the, uh, he's a Democrat, and the Democratic Party has unanimously asked him to resign, to cease being the governor of the state of Virginia. I think Republicans have now joined in. And I don't agree. And I can't stand the governor. And I can't stand the Democratic Party, what it's become. And I was a Democrat much of my life when it was liberal, but it's now leftist. There's a chasm of difference between liberal and left. Watch my PragerU video. In five minutes, you'll see six examples 
of the difference between liberal and left. They are, they are monumental. Most liberals still think that they have to fight the right, but if they love liberalism, they should be fighting the left. The right is not a threat to liberalism. Conservatives are protecting liberalism as it happens. So I don't agree at all with the calls for him to resign for a very simple reason. For 30 years, the man has led a non-racist life. And I believe that you judge people on the basis of how they became in the course of their life, not what they may have done in their 20s or their teens. But we now have something new. This is truly new, that the idea that you can be a penitent, a person who does repentance, who turns his life around, is now rejected by the left in America. It is completely rejected. And uh, I'm using a Democrat example so that you'll realize I have no political agenda here. I'm defending a guy I, I don't like. I thought his comments on abortion, what, even if you're pro-choice, his comments on abortion were, were immoral. Nevertheless, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. I, I don't think he should resign. The man was elected. He did nothing in office to constitute uh, unworthiness. Of, uh, if the people don't like him, they'll, they'll vote for his opponent in the next election. That's, that's what votes are about. That's what elections are about. So he had this bad picture 30 years ago in his in medical school yearbook. What, what are you at medical school when you graduate? 25 years of age, 26 years of age at the, at the latest for most people. And, and what, what is he, isn't it, he's at least 30 years older than that now. So 30 years. So no one has any reason to believe that the man has been a racist for 30 years. I'm, I don't even know if he was a racist then. Maybe he was. Okay, I don't know. But let's say he was, but he isn't. At what point do we say, hey, this man turned his life around. We can't judge him on what happened 30 years ago. They did this to, to uh, Judge Kavanaugh. I didn't even believe the accusation there. There, there wasn't a picture there. There was no photo. There, there, there was not even any evidence. Nobody could corroborate the charges against him of sexual assault when he was when he was a teenager with a teenage girl. Nevertheless, the Democrats still said he is unworthy of being a Supreme Court justice because of what he may have done forty. This was forty years earlier as a teenager. And then there was a, another judge, Roy Moore, running for Senate in, in, in Alabama who preceded them. That's where this thing started. This guy has led a, an honorable, whether you like his views or not, I don't like Northam's view, the governor of, of Virginia. The, the issue is not whether you like their views, it's whether you judge people or not on the basis of how they've conducted their personal life. That's the issue. But Roy Moore was uh, was accused of when he was in his late twenties or thirty years old or whatever of being with teenage girls and acting inappropriately, uh, under under uh, I think even accused of underage of teenage with teenage girls, which is totally wrong. Absolutely, it's just it's wrong. Uh, I don't know if it happened or not. If it happened or not is not the question for me. The question is if forty years the let the man has led a, a monogamous family life. That's what matters to me. But to the left, how you live your life doesn't matter. If you sinned, you are permanently guilty. This is new. This is brand new in Western life. That you can't turn your life around. You are judged by a sin 
of decades earlier. This is, and you know, and this is the key. Do you know why they believe this way? Because they have no wisdom. And they have no wisdom because they have no religion. Secular people can be good, but very rarely wise. They may be wise in this area or this. Some are fine parents and all that. I understand that. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking about liberals. I'm talking about leftists. They crap, I'm, I'm using the word, forgive me, on religion and on the Bible. This is, this is one of the many results that a new idea has developed. You can't turn your life around. It's like the opposite of the 12-step program. It's the opposite. All good doctrines. What is the basic Lord's Prayer of Christianity? Right? Oh God, oh Lord, forgive me as I forgive the trespasses of others. One of the basic Jewish, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar is what? Yom Kippur, the day of repentance. The essence of Judaism and Christianity has been you can repent and turn your life around. The essence of leftism is you can't repent and you can't turn your life around. You're guilty forever. It's mean and stupid. It's a bad combination. Let me tell you, that is it's really bad. This is one of the... Look, my motto in life, if you, if you, the day you understand this, your life will change for the better. Everything the left touches, it ruins. And now it has touched this incredibly important doctrine of penitence, of repentance. Yep, that's, that's what it is. It doesn't matter how you've led your life for the last 30, 40 years. Bye-bye, baby. You had a racist picture in your yearbook 40 years ago, th- excuse me, 30 years ago. You can't, you can't serve as governor. It's aside from it's completely undemocratic. Let, let the let, let the voters decide in the next Virginia election. <laughs> let Democrats decide if they renominate him, and let the let the Virginians decide. Who the hell are you to tell him to resign because of something from thirty years ago? The arrogance and and the stupidity and the meanness. It's it's a very serious subject. The denial of the ability of people to morally change is the end of, of moral progress as we know it. That's how bad the left is. This is that's not how bad the left is. This is one of immeasurably large, an immeasurably large number of examples of how bad it is. They don't think clearly and they're mean. That's what this is about. And again, I don't like this guy. I don't like him at all. And by the way, I just want to say he deserves it. That's the irony. He put out an ad when he was running for governor just a year ago. He put out an ad against the Republican who was running, calling the guy a racist and a racist, just calling him a racist and a racist. They collaborated, his campaign collaborated on an ad. You could see it on the internet. Look up, um, look up uh, Gillespie. That was the name of the Republican. Gillespie ad Confederate flag or anything like that. So they show a pickup truck with a Confederate flag and it's chasing four kids, teenage kids. One is clearly a Muslim, one is black, one is Asian, and one is, uh, one is Latino. And it wants to run them over. It's a pretty horrific ad. And then what do you see on, on the, the back of the truck? A Gillespie for governor bumper sticker. 
I'll tell you, there are a lot of ugly political ads, but I don't know of an uglier one in my lifetime than the one that Northam and his people put out about his opponent. That he wants that that he is the type of guy who wants to run over kids of, of minority who are members of minority groups. So I, I have zero pity for Northam. My pity is for the doctrine of repentance. My pity is for the American people who are being made dumber and meaner because of the left and the Democratic Party. That's where my pity is. I don't pity this guy at all. Believe, it almost makes me believe in karma. That which goes around comes around. If anybody deserves to be punished by the monster that the left has created of devouring anyone it calls a racist, it's him. I'm happy he's being punished, but I'm unhappy and opposed. I'm opposed to it because I'm unhappy about what it does to the country. But he deserves it. So we're, we're in a mess. We're in a mess because of the, of the meanness and, and, and the uh, utter and total lack of wisdom that uh, permeates the left. And this is, this is just another example. And, and by the way, it always happens. These nihilistic revolutions devour their own. And he's, he's, he's being devoured by the monster that they created. You're a racist, you're a racist, you're a racist. And that, that black groups have joined the call, it's not because they're black that they've joined it. They've joined it because they're on the left. Black conservatives don't think the guy should resign. Black leftists do. It's very important. The divide in America is not black and white. It's left and right. Black conservatives and white conservatives think very similarly, and black leftists and white leftists think very similarly. That's the great divide, and it is a great divide. It's tough to acknowledge because if you're in college now, you're saturated. You are in an ocean of leftism, not liberalism. I wouldn't care for liberalism. I'm supposed to speak tomorrow at the University of California at Irvine. And the, what the university is doing to make it very difficult for anybody to attend is just, it's beyond belief. It's beyond belief. Let, they are so afraid, and they're right to be, by the way. The left is right, or the left is correct, to be more non-confusing. The left is correct in fearing the appearance of even one articulate conservative on a campus. They're right. If every UC Irvine student could hear me for one hour, it would be a big problem. It doesn't take long to show the lies and silliness and absurdities and immoralities that govern their life. That's why they don't want us to speak of these campuses even for one hour. They fear another voice. We don't. We don't. We send our kids to study under leftists from, from elementary school to high school to college to graduate school. They're, they they uh, watch left-wing Hollywood movies. They, they watch left-wing news. But uh, they don't ever confront non-left ideas, ever. And for good reason. It doesn't take much to shatter that big balloon that is leftism. It's just a balloon and one little pinprick of intellectual honesty 
bursts that balloon. Do you not think people can change? Do you really believe that a man having that picture in his yearbook 30 years ago disqualifies him from public office today after leading a life of non-racism? If you believe that, well, here's, a, here's one helpful thing. If you believe it, you know you're on the left. It is not possible to be religious or conservative and believe that. Even a liberal doesn't believe that. Liberals, liberals understood people can turn their lives around. It's one of the, the basic reasons for moral progress. So that's the story. That's a big one out of Virginia. Big one. Whether you're watching this in, in Japan or Italy or South America, this, this, is, this is a notion that is as important to you as it should be to uh, an American. And that's my opening thought for today's fireside chat. And now to your questions. All right, button number one, button number two. All right, Ricardo Perone. I just thought I'd say it somewhat in Italian vein. I'm writing from Torino, Italy. Hi, Ricardo. No particular question. Just want to thank you for the excellent work. God bless. I don't usually just read compliments off to you uh, because it's not going to be of great interest to you. But uh, I read this one because I want you to know that we know at Prigge University that our videos and the fireside chats and, and all the other things we do are around the world. Vast numbers of young people around the world are watching. And that's important. This is not just an American issue. This is a universal issue. All these issues are universal. So it means a lot to me that that somebody, I don't know your age, but I suspect you're young, uh, in Torino, Italy, are watching and appreciating. The trick is then to take these ideas and influence people that you know. That's hard. And I know that's hard. That's why it's important to learn the arguments, to learn the reason and logic and morality that, are, that underpin our views that are called conservative. All right. Anyway, thank you, Ricardo. N what is N-O-E? No? It's not Noah. So, Noe? Anyway, NOE, 17 years old, Anaheim. I have a mentor. She is a successful businesswoman who helps me out in a variety of ways. Do you think we should encourage mentors who has been a mentor for your life? I am thrilled you have a mentor. Obviously, it's a you're 17, so I obviously this this woman is probably middle-aged or older, and that's great. When I was 17, the, there was a very popular idea that, was, that I even knew at 17 was not only stupid, but dangerous. Never trust anyone over 30. And I realized at 17 how moronic this idea was. First of all, I realized, does that mean that 13 years from now, 
I will become untrustworthy? <laughs> people don't like to think in the future. You know, most people live till 80, 90, increasingly for your generation, 100. That's a lot of years to be useless, <laughs> to be unworthy of being trusted for anything, about anything you say. But that's what was said, and that's why, that's by the way, that is still essentially uh, almost the doctrine of the left. They want the vote. Democrats in the United States want the vote to go to a 16-year-old. And they figure, why not? I, f I say to them, hey, why not? If, uh, if you think like a kid, why not have kids vote? There is no difference between a 15-year-old Democrat and a 45-year-old Democrat. None. Only age. The 45-year-old does not think one bit more wisely or maturely than the 15-year-old. That's the reason they want 15-year-olds to have the vote. Again, this happened when I was a kid. They made the vote for 18-year-olds, and I remember I told my girlfriend... I said, why are they giving me the vote? I don't know anything. I'll never forget saying that. I didn't think I deserved the vote. I didn't think the world of myself. But, you know, with the left self-esteem movement and, you know, they're nothing to measure yourself against. I had something to measure myself against. Adults that I respected and a religion that I respected, a Bible I respected. In other words, things that were not just over 30 they were over a thousand. They were over two thousand. They were over three thousand years old. I was studying a text, the first five books of the Bible, that was about three thousand years old, and it had more wisdom than I did. And I knew that when I was seventeen, and when I was seven, and I know it today. That's why I'm writing my Rational Bible, the book called the Rational Bible, five volume commentary on the first five books of the Bible because it is the greatest book and you will become wiser and a better human being if you know it. So if you have a mentor, that means you are using an adult who theoretically knows more than you, not just in knowledge, but knows more about life, that's what wisdom is, than you do. It's very bad if you're 17 and, you, and you're not spending time with adults, it's not healthy. This is another new thing in history. Throughout history, kids spent a lot of time with adults. Today, kids spend a lot of time with kids or with adults who want to be kids, which is even worse. Who has been a mentor in my life? I had a lot, I had a lot of adults I respected. So I, I, can't, I can't just isolate one, but that was a big factor. There were adults I really looked up to. Rodrigo, hey, Rodrigo, 34, Texas. Do you have a favorite video game? Yes, Hearts. Now, you may say that doesn't count, but it's a game, and it's played on my video screen. But I know it's not a video game. I don't have a favorite video game uh, because, and, and, and this is not my way of, of condemning it. I have no interest in video games because you, you don't get anywhere. Uh, it, I, I like hobbies that I feel are enriching me, not just fun. I like fun. I have fun all the time. I have more fun in the elevator than most people do uh, outside the elevator. Uh, I, I, I love joking with my fellow rider for the 30 to 60 seconds we're together. It's sort of a game that I play, not every time, but a lot. Can I make this person, this stranger, laugh? 
within a minute. But I, 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 I love fun, but I understand the difference between fun and happiness. It's a chapter of mine in my book on happiness. There's a difference between fun and happiness. Many things that bring happiness are not that much fun. But you should have fun while you're doing the things that do bring you happiness. Anyway, it's a, it's a long concept. Anyway, so this is what I would suggest about video games. I don't care if you play a video game. I waste my time playing hearts is no more brilliant than your time video game. I admit it. Uh, we all need to quote unquote waste some time because wasting time enables us to tune out and, you know, then be prepared to do the serious things. I get it. The trick is how much do you do it? I don't care if you play video games. I care how much you do it. If you set yourself a limit and, and abide by it, it's, it's, a, it's a non-issue to me. Joshua 29, Pocomoke City, Maryland. That's a great name. I love these names, Pocomoke. How are college professors allowed to spew their hatred and indoctrinate and indoctrinate generations of college kids? Shouldn't termination be justified over making kids biased? No. Uh, teachers should be allowed to say whatever they want. My problem with uh, colleges is that they don't admit what they're doing. A Christian seminary tells the truth. Our task is to produce committed Christians. So obviously, they're indoctrinating kids. I don't have any problem with that, and I'm Jewish. I don't have any problem with a Christian seminary indoctrinating its students in Christianity. That's its job. But there's a big difference. College doesn't admit that it's there to indoctrinate you into being a leftist. So they're lying to you. That's what is angering to me. Not that they indoctrinate, that they deny that they indoctrinate. That's the difference. The difference between a Christian seminary and a, and a typical Western university is one is honest and one is not. If colleges announced our task is to produce social justice warriors... AKA leftists. Okay, then parents know what they're spending their money on and what the kids are getting into debt for the next 10, 20 years for. And, and if, you want, if you want that, then your eyes are opened. They, they're misrepresenting themselves, colleges. They lie to you when they say they're there to open your mind. They're not at all. They're there to close your mind. This is not new. Alan Bloom, a liberal, a liberal, professor at the University of Chicago, wrote about 50 years ago or 45 years ago the closing of the American mind and is about college. That's what they do. That's why they don't want us to speak there. If they truly wanted open minds, they would be thrilled if people who were conservative came to speak. But they don't want to. That's what drives me crazy. I don't want to fire these teachers. I want the colleges to be called on the issue of honesty. Okadoke. Natalie, how are we doing on time? 27. I'll take one more, I guess. 
let's see. Natalie, 17 in Montana. I didn't take Natalie before. I guess I saw it, but I never took it. Because I don't believe in abortion unless the mother is going to be harmed, I have lost friends and family. I've lost friends, and family is now mad at me. What do I do? That's sad. Well, losing friends, that's sad, but I, there's a separate issues, family and friends. If your friends think that there is no moral worth, I spoke about this the last uh, fireside chat about the moral issue of abortion. So if your friends think that even in the third trimester, it is a non-issue to take that life, then I understand that they're not going to want to be close with you. It's what happens. It's true. Friends like to share values. I don't know why you want to be close to them, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I, I, I am totally happy to interrelate with everybody in the world, and I do. Uh, but I, I admit for that for my closest friends, I pretty much like to share values. I don't want to, I don't want to argue with my best friends. I argue enough in life. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to have it with my friends. So I get it. And it's, it's not hard to find. I mean, well, how old is, how old are you? 17? If even in Montana, you can find people who share your values, that's a problem. Uh, but family is another issue. Family that's you, you know you can get rid of friends but you can't get rid of family i mean people think they can but they shouldn't there i i want family should overlook these differences and still love each other that's how i look at it maybe just don't discuss it maybe that's maybe that's just the best way but uh that's why i i have a different attitude on family and on friends all right, so that's, uh, that's pretty much it. It goes fast, which is a good sign, right? Because if it went slowly, that would be a bad sign. <laughs> You're not having a good time. Actually, great ideas are fun. That's, that's the thing, ultimately. They are fun. It's about as fun a thing that exists, actually. It's up there with almost anything else. To think through life and, and, and the, the most important ideas is fun. And to do it with people that you can do it with, that's a big deal. So anyway, I want to commend to you again the Rational Bible. I want to commend to you Prager University videos. If you've seen them all, even if you've seen all 400 once, you should see all 400 twice. They're very, very compact and condensed. There's a tremendous amount of information and insight in these videos. So give it a try and send them on because we in the West and the whole world today, there's a tremendous amount of moral confusion, like on the issue of can you turn your life around? You can. Thanks for being with me. From my home to yours, bless you. I'm Dennis Prager. See you next week. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.